Once again, the Atlanta Falcons offense regressed under the watch of Taylor Heineke. Let's break down the film. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. So guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, your very humble host, aka Sirius Black, aka Mr. Drew, aka Mr. AKA, and of course... Today's episode is an all 22 review. It's a little later than usual uh, going up, you know, Wednesday afternoon um, because of uh, the holiday and whatnot and not dropping the all 22. But, you know, we're, we're still going strong and uh, appreciate all you everydayers out there that have been patient with uh, NFL Plus. Great product. Um, and, you know, continue to make this podcast your first listen each and every day. First watch each and every day. And if you want to become an everydayer, Make sure you subscribe, follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we'll be talking about the defense and, you know, their struggles on the back end. We'll do a review of the opposing team's quarterback and Justin Fields, because a lot of people think he'd be a great fit here in, in Atlanta. And uh, I have some concerns there just from uh, matching the personnel. And we'll, we'll break that down later. But of course, we got to start talking about our own quarterback, and that is, of course, Taylor Heineke, right? And he had a rough game in this game. But, you know, I thought Heineke, for the most part, did a solid job in the first quarter and for most of the second quarter up until his interception that he had right before halftime, right? That those first 28 minutes of the game, I thought Heineke played reasonably well, right? And then it was all downhill after that. Now, it was he wasn't perfect, you know, but I think most of the issues in that first 28 minutes were, you know, weather conditions blocking receivers letting him down like he had a great throw um in the second quarter to Kadero Hodge uh that was dropped right now he did miss early in the second quarter a dig route to Kyle Pitts and uh we talked about this after the Vikings game you know Heineke doesn't throw digs right and that's a that's a problem for this offense um but you know he started making some mistakes especially in the second half and right before his second pick to Tyreek Stevenson in the third quarter, the previous play, he had a potential touchdown. You know, Scotty Miller was wide open on a corner route, and Heineke missed him. And if he hits that throw, it's potentially a 24-17 game about half a quarter before it eventually becomes a 27-17 game. And we're potentially having a very different conversation about how this game goes for the final 20 minutes if Heineke sees that touchdown to Scotty Miller. Now, when we talk about Heineke's all three picks, they were all quarterback error. He had a fourth turnover-worthy play uh, where he did not see a sinking defender, and that was basically the problem with Heineke in this game on all of those plays where he either didn't see an underneath defender or he tried to throw it over an underneath defender and he didn't succeed. And that is something that we talked about Desmond Ritter not doing as early as the first two games of the season. And that's what we mean when we talk about regressing the offense. 
where the conversations we were having about Desmond Ritter in the first month of the season are now the conversations we're having about Taylor Heineke. And like, we should be past this, but we're not because we have a lesser quarterback in the lineup. Now, it wasn't all bad for Heineke in the second half. He had that nice touchdown scramble in the fourth quarter, you know, pulling, doing his best Justin Fields impression. But was what was notable about that drive in particular at the end of the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter is the Falcons were able to get the offense moving, running the football. They ran three successful rushing plays to start that drive. Again, this has been sort of the through line when Heineke and the offense is working. It's really the run game that's sort of kick-starting things. And then Heineke had a turnover-worthy play on the opening pass of the fourth quarter, and then the Falcons tried to run the ball again. And then when they went back to throwing the football, this to me was Arthur Smith kind of telling us when you look at sort of the sequence of play calling after that point that led up to that touchdown scramble, Arthur Smith kind of telling us that he doesn't trust Taylor Heineke, right? Because basically they just started calling hitches to Van Jefferson. And it started out with a third and seven where Jefferson didn't get enough depth on his hitch. He ran five yards instead of seven yards, or I think he ran six yards and then came back a yard. But, but fortunately, the Falcons still converted at third and seven because of the unnecessary roughness penalty on Justin Jones after the whistle for ripping off Matthew Bergeron's helmet. And then, like, two other next three play calls, they just basically called the same hitch to Van Jefferson. And the third time they ran it was on the touchdown scramble, which was a third down. And basically, the Bears figured it out. Okay, they're just running the same play over and over again. They covered it. And when Heineke was like, oh, I can't throw the ball that I'm supposed to throw, he just you know, busted it and, and uh, ran um, for a touchdown. And Bijan and um, Van Jefferson did a, a nice job getting in the way of defenders to help him score that touchdown. But it was, to me, it was notable to me that Arthur Smith was basically calling plays where it's just like, just throw the hitch, just throw the hitch. And this goes back to a conversation we were talking about in that Jaguars game where Desmond Ritter wasn't throwing like the simple things and it wasn't operating the sort of simple play calls that Arthur Smith was calling in the offense. And that's what I mean when we talk about regressing the offense. And so I've been very critical of Taylor Heineke on this podcast. I think the film deserves being critical of Taylor Heineke. And it's these reasons where now in three out of the four starts that we've had from Taylor Heineke with the Colts game being basically the, the lone exception, it's been clear to me watching the film that there have been points in the game where Arthur Smith has been essentially, he starts calling the game as if he's like, this guy can't run my offense. And like, that's why, like I sit here, you know, being like the offense is better with Desmond Ritter. And like, I know we're all fed up with Desmond. Ritter. I was fed up with Desmond Ritter after he threw that pick against the Panthers. I understand why he's on the bench, but like Arthur Smith can sit here and tell us publicly, right. He can come in front of the media and, and, and tell us, oh, Taylor Heineke is our starting quarterback and our best option, and I, we believe that. But then when we sit down and watch the, the games, like, you know, you're you're getting into the fourth quarter of this game, and Arthur Smith is basically telling you, like, this guy can't operate my offense with his play calling. So, you know, actions speak louder than words, as they say. So that's why I'll continue to die on the hill that the biggest mistake Arthur Smith has made this season is benching Desmond Ritter twice, even as fed up as we are with Desmond Ritter and his mistakes. He's still a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke, and I will die on that hill all day, every day. And the film backs me up on that. And that will be something that the all the uh, Locked On Falcons insiders get on the extended All Twenty Two review. We'll break down 
several of these issues that Taylor Heineke had in this game on that, as well as other issues. We'll talk uh, coming up on today's uh, episode of the podcast about, you know, the defense. But if you want to get access to that extended all 22 review, uh, all you got to do is join the link in the description below at joinsubtext.com slash lockdown Falcons. It's a 14 day free trial. It's $4.99 a month after that 14 day free trial. I know this is pretty much the last chance you guys get to sign up for that to get these extended all 22 reviews, but you get access to all the previous ones. So you can go back and we'll, we'll, we'll see what we do in the off season. Uh, we'll probably like, I don't know. We'll do like free agent stuff or prospect film studies or something like that. But that's, that's my sort of tentative goal, but we'll figure that out as the off season wears on. But again, great time to sign up to get that extra insight. You know, the lockdown Falcons insiders have known for two months that Taylor Heineke was an issue. It's taking the rest of the fan base, you know, that time to catch up. But that's it's the beauty of being an insider. You're you're, you're so far ahead of the rest of your fan base, and you can gloat. You're like, I, I knew about this, you know, two months ago, uh, watching the film. So that's my plug. We'll we'll talk more about the defense. We'll talk about how they tried to play cover three in this game. It did not work, and so they had to switch gears pretty quickly. Uh, and we'll get into that as we continue today's lockdown Falcons. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sports, comedy, music, and theater near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Killer last-minute deals mean that you can buy tickets in seconds right up to the start of the event. All-in prices means you're not going to get hit with hidden fees. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And their game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Term supply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So uh, before we get into what the defense looked like in this Bears game, let's plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel, the first of its kind, brought to you by the iconic and innovative uh, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, uh, giving you, you know, Locked On Sports Today is giving you all the biggest stories across all the leagues, all the sports. And of course, if you want more of a local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 streaming channel as well. So the Falcons, as we suspected, we're going to play a lot of cover three in this game. They started out on their opening two series playing cover three based off of my charting on five out of the eight pass plays that the Bears had. And on those five plays, they gave up a success rate of 80%. And you've heard me talk in the past about success rate where, you know, anything above 70% is, is basically perfect as far as NFL standards are. Um, they gave up 98 yards on those five plays. So almost 20 yards per play. And uh, you compare that to the other three plays that they weren't in cover three. Now they gave up a success rate of 67%, but they only give up about 15 yards. So about five yards per play on those other three plays. And so basically after the first two series, the bears, you know, scoring on those two drives, the Falcons very quickly were like, all right, let's scrap the cover three. And they played cover three based off my charting only five more times the rest of the game. Right. And for most of the game, they just basically were, we're going to play single high cover one man, and they did that 18 out of the 30 remaining play pass plays in this game. And they did get gashed. You know, DJ Moore made a couple more plays as, as the game wore on. Justin Fields uh, hurt them with his scrambles when they were in man coverage. Um, 
as well a couple of times. But in general, they did their man coverage did hold up, right? The Falcons' success rate, uh, you know, after the the opening uh, two series, you know, the the Bears' success rate, I guess you could say, uh, against the Falcons' man coverage after the, the opening two series was only thirty eight percent, and then their success rate against all their coverage after those first two series was only thirty three percent, right? And they were averaging about five point seven yards per pass play. Um, so once we saw the Falcons scrap the cover three. We saw DeMarco Hellams get replaced by Richie Grant in the fourth quarter. And that's understandable because given the Falcons playing more man coverage, the Falcons like Richie Grant more as a man cover guy um, than they do DeMarco Hellams. And we did see some more D. Alford in the fourth quarter, although that, that seemed to be owed to Mike Hughes dealing with a concussion. Now, the way the reason why the Bears were so effective against the Falcons cover three is I think they they dialed up some plays that I think were effective at beating cover three. They they ran some switch release stuff with with DJ Moore, right? That it, when you play a strict cover three zone, um, you know that's going to put that outside corner that's covering the deep third um, in conflict. And with the Falcons, they don't run that strict cover three zone. They they typically run match coverage when they play zone, but that's still created problems for AJ Terrell and the slot defender, which often was a safety um, going up against uh, DJ Moore. And, um, you know, I think the bears knew it was coming. We talked about this last week going into this game that the bears were one of the teams that seen more cover three usage against them than any other teams in the league, according to uh, numbers put out there by Cody Alexander on Twitter at the coach a on Twitter. And we basically said Atlanta, Tennessee, San Francisco, New Orleans, and Chicago are the teams that see cover three the most in the league this year. Uh, I, I, I think I forgot the fifth team and it was the 49ers. That was the team that I forgot in that episode last week, but um, and credit to the bears for a good game plan. You know, the Falcons couldn't really handle DJ Moore on those vertical routes and those crossers. Um, and you know, I expect the saints to try to repeat that success. Cause I think back to that week 12 game against, the, uh, against the saints. And I recall Chris Olave beating, you know, the Falcons on vertical routes and crossers. Um, so the Falcons are definitely gonna have to tighten up on the back end when it comes to that stuff. Now, I personally think their best cornerback trio is AJ Terrell, Jeff Okuda and, and D Alford. The Falcons clearly think otherwise, but you know, it ain't me. Um, that's out there losing games <laughs> thinking otherwise. So that's on him, right? That's, that's why we believe in nothings Lebowski um, at this point in the season. So let's, uh, you know, get away from the nihilism. Uh, let's talk about some positive things up front for the Falcons defense. Some things that stood out to me watching the film. Uh, Calais Campbell, we saw a lot of him play inside. I thought he had one of his best games as a pass rusher. I know PFF credited him with six pressures watching the film myself. I would have credited him with eight, and that doesn't even count a ninth one that was nullified by a penalty. Um, so I thought he really got after it um, in that role. Zach Harrison also had a, a, a nice, solid game against the run, mostly because his snap timing was better. I thought I saw consistently him getting off the ball. That's something we've talked about in the past, how, you know, Harrison can be really good when he gets off the ball. Um, and that was the case in this game. And it's like, if we can get Zach Harrison to come off the ball, um, when the ball is snapped, like a normal defensive end is supposed to, um, like he can be, you know, he can be really good. And I think that was all over the film. And that there's probably going to be something that we'll, we'll, we'll showcase on the extended all 22 review for, for the insiders as well. But last little tidbit about the defense was, you know, 
They asked Caden Ellis to kind of spy Justin Fields a lot in this game. He did not do a great job in this game doing that. Um, but I didn't go into this game expecting Caden Ellis to do a great job. Uh, he he did it about as well as he, he could, but it wasn't good enough. Um, and this is why, like, I think the Falcons need to get more athletic at linebacker. I don't I don't think it's a huge priority, but it's, it's, it's definitely a need. Right. Again, it can it can wait to the fourth or fifth round or something like that where the Falcons can draft an athletic linebacker, but they need more bodies at that. And this is part of the reason why, like, I'm not as high a Nate Lehman as other people are, you know, him being a Pro Bowl alternate or whatever he winds up being withstanding. Like, I think Nate Lehman has played as well as you could humanly possibly hope for, but he is a limited player in that that to me was on display in this game athletically. It's been on display all all year long. We just don't point it out because, like, hey, he's he's doing his best, right? But there's a reason why you don't see very many four, eight, six uh, running linebackers starting in the, in the NFL. Um, and so, when when people talk about him potentially starting over Kay Nellis or starting over Troy Anderson next year, I'm just like, I, I don't see it. I, I, you know, if the Falcons want to go down, right? <laughs> Again, we believe in nothing. We're we're nihilists on, on here on Lockdown Falcons now. But like, if that's what they want to do, then that's, it's your funeral. It ain't, ain't going to be mine. But that's that's where we'll leave that conversation. And, um, you know, talking about spying the quarterback, we'll talk a little bit about Justin Fields and his performance in this game. So while we don't believe in anything, you know, and it coincides with the NFL season wrapping up, you know, you can believe in something. And that's the great deals over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You know, that that will invigorate me, you know, to know that $150 in bonus bets, win or lose from FanDuel on an app that's easy to use. And there's so many different ways to bet. Like same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Or you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, right? I love a parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. It'll make me believe in something in the year 2024. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. To make your first bet and layup, FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. So we're wrapping up today's episode talking about Justin Fields. Before we get there, uh, later today, if you're watching on YouTube on Wednesday, uh, we'll get in crossover Thursday, potentially. We'll see if uh, Locked On Saints host Ross Jackson, um, you know, is too big. We'll see. Yeah, that's the plan, right? I got to check my phone. Uh, to see if, if Ross texted me back that we're going to record that later today. So that should be in store for you Wednesday night, uh, Thursday morning for the audio listeners. So that is your next episode, regardless. It's just a question of when it's going to come out. Um, but let's talk about Justin Fields, right? You know, because he's a player that a lot of people think should wind up in Atlanta next year, should be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Did, did we just watch who's going to start games for the Atlanta Falcons in 2024? I'm skeptical of it, but I'm skeptical of pretty much all things because I believe in nothing. Okay, but I thought Justin Fields played probably the best game I've seen him play today, and I've seen probably anywhere between half a dozen to twelve games of Justin Fields. So anyway, um, and so like this game kind of ran the full gamut of like the Justin Fields experience because you you got the really good and you got the kind of questionable, right? Like you got some really high level plays and then you got some. Like, you know, talk about layups with, with Fandle, but, like, he missed some layups in this game. But, like, no one cares when you miss a layup because you just sunk one from half court, right? Like, that's kind of how it works. 
right? And like, that's the thing with Justin Fields. Like, his accuracy has always been good, right? That's always been the issue, right? He's always had a good accuracy. It was always the decision making, right? The processing. And like, that was a big question of, for him at Ohio State. And I think that's been an issue that has uh, hampered him in the NFL, right? That we we talked about it. Oh, that's just a byproduct of the Ohio State offense. But I think as you've watched him in the NFL, it's like, no, the the slow processing is something that's just Justin Fields. Um, and so that leads to him not anticipating a lot of throws, right? He He's the type of receiver that has to see it before he can rip it. Um, and when he sees it, he, he'll rip it. Um, that's what you like, but he has to see it first come open b- before he'll rip it. Um, you know, when I talk about some of the layups, he misses, it's like, you know, he's, he's very accurate except for when he puts the ball over the receiver's head, five feet on a, on a five yard out. And it's like, like, how are you missing this layup? But anyway, um, you know, I think because of that ability to sort of like when he sees it, he can rip it. This is part of the reason why DJ Moore has been such so good for him this year in Chicago because more can reliably separate and, and win. Right. So like he sees it a lot with DJ Moore, right? Like I, we talked about on the postcast entering this week, when fields targets DJ Moore, his passer rating is 130. When he targets anybody else, it's less than 70. So his passer rating drops 60 points when he's not throwing the ball to DJ Moore. And the split is basically the same from this Falcons game. When he targeted DJ Moore in this game, his passer rating was 136, and when he targeted anybody else, it was 74. And that's part of the reason why I am not as convinced as the rest of the world that Fields is going to blossom in Atlanta because I don't see any DJ Moores on this roster, right? Uh, the type of receiver that can consistently separate that's going to allow Fields to kind of thrive, right? Now, in theory, an accurate quarterback like Justin Fields could be a good fit with Drake London, who is more of a contested catch guy. So that, you know, he can if he can put the ball in the right spot for Drake London to make that contested catch. But we saw during Fields' rookie season when he had a similar receiver. Again, Allen Robinson is not the same as Drake London, but on the DJ Moore to Drake London's spectrum, I think we would most of us would agree that Allen Robinson is much closer to Drake London than he is to DJ Moore. Fields and Robinson didn't really click in this offense. Robinson was just basically wasted in now. In hindsight, we say, oh, well, Robinson stunk in, with the Rams and he hasn't done anything with Pittsburgh. So it was because Allen Robinson is washed or whatever. But we've also seen other sort of bigger wideouts like Chase Claypool, Nikhil Harry have little to minimal impact while they were in Chicago. And again, I don't think that's all because fields, but it is notable to me that when you look at the type of receivers that have succeeded with Justin Fields, it's not the Drake Londons of the world, right? that you go back to his days at Ohio State, who was he throwing to? Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You look at, to me, so when I look at that, I say that what's the ideal type of receiver core that I would build around Justin Fields based off of his body of work in Chicago or at Ohio State? It's basically like Washington's wide receiver core where you have Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson, right? Those are the types of receivers that Justin Fields historically has had the most success throwing to, Right. You look at Darnell Mooney, his rookie year, where that connection with Darnell Mooney was pretty solid to the point that Darnell Mooney had a thousand yard season in Fields' rookie season, you know, with basically half the season of Justin Fields and half the uh, half a season of Andy Dalton. But like Darnell Mooney and, and Justin Fields haven't really had that same connection in the last two years. And 
what's the reason behind that? Like, why? Why Why have they not been able to build off of that rookie season, that successful rookie season um, in 2021? Now, that to me is a question I can't answer. That's probably a question that Locked on Bears host Lauren Cox would probably be better answering. You know, how much of that is, you know, not necessarily building the rapport between Mooney and Fields versus, you know, Luke Getze's offense not necessarily being as good a fit for Darnell Mooney as Matt Nagy's offense was. I don't know. Lauren Cox probably knows the answer to that question. So that would be something I would have to ask him. But these are the questions I have that make me skeptical, much more skeptical than most people are when it comes to Fields, quote unquote, blossoming in Atlanta, right? That, oh, you just drop him in this offense and it'll be great, right? Like, sure, Fields in the quarterback run game mesh with the Falcons offense. Yes, that is a match made in heaven, right? We've seen that work with Marcus Mariota in 2022. But in terms of the passing game, to me, that is much more of a toss-up. That is much more of a gamble. That is much more of a major question mark. And yes, I would absolutely love to be that elite run team again, like we were a year ago. And Fields certainly, I think, would help that. But if you've been paying attention over the last two years, at least on this podcast, what have we been talking about evolving the offense? The conversation we had with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic the week after that 49ers game. Can we evolve the offense beyond just basically being this run first and run only team? Like that's that's been part of the problem this year, which is this offense only seems to work when they can run the football, right? And the passing game doesn't click consistently. We've seen flashes of it with Desmond Ritter, less so with Taylor Heineke. But the whole point is to try to evolve beyond just basically being this one-dimensional, we can only run the football, and if we get into a hole, we can't play from behind, that sort of thing being front runners, whatever you want to call it. That's the concern. And so I'm not as convinced as the rest of the world is that Justin Fields is the solution to that problem, right? Not saying that, you know, Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter are the solution to that problem. But like, to me, that's a much bigger question mark. So um, that's one of the reasons why, like, you're not going to sit here and hear me being like, oh, Justin Fields, pick him up. Plan A, let's do it. Plan B, whatever. Like, they want to go in that direction. They want to go in that direction. But to me, like, if I was a betting man, I would bet, like, it's just going to wind up being very similar to Marcus Mariota from 2022, which, again, I guess is an improvement, you know, in some people's eyes. But I don't think that's going to solve the, the problem that the Falcons are dealing with um, personally. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Falcons. Uh, we'll talk uh, with Ross Jackson on Lockdown Saints about this upcoming matchup with the Saints. As I said on yesterday's episode, uh, like, you know, I I do not go into this game with any expectation that the Falcons are going to win this game. They always lose these sort of winning you're in type of games late in seasons, at least as far as I remember. So it's like, all right, you know, please surprise me. Taylor Heineke, do something. Desmond Ritter, do something, you know. Good luck. <laughs> we believe in nothing. So, uh, you know, my nihilism, will be next on the Locked On Falcons, Locked On Saints crossover. Um, we'll try to be less nihilistic when we break down the film for the Locked On Falcons insiders on the Extended All-22 review. If you want to get it in on that, hit the link in the description below at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Falcons. Again, 14-day free trial. Free. Free, guys. Free trial for two weeks. And then it's $4.99 after a month. So you can get these last two Extended All-22 reviews for free, and then you can cancel. No harm, no foul. I'll understand it, right? You're like, I don't, I don't want to see Aaron break down um, 
whatever he's going to break down. So we'll we'll look at Heineke. We'll look at the defense. I don't think we'll do Justin Fields like that. That may be something I'll sit on for the offseason for the extended all 22 review or for the lockdown Falcons insiders uh, on that extended all 22 review. So um, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but that is what you guys can expect. Uh, hit up Locked On Sports today, Locked On Sports Atlanta, 24 7 streaming channels. Check out Locked On NFL for your second listen. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>